our text this morning is actually one of the Ten Commandments. It's in uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, or as most of us learned it, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, this verse, you know, as I just said, is one of the <clears throat> Ten Commandments. And like uh, most of the commandments, I think the intention of it is actually misunderstood. I think we get confused sometimes because uh, the commandments are all listed negatively. And uh, sometimes that causes us to miss the, the point. Uh, if, if, if we were to restate this positively, uh, it might sound like this. Understand the power of a name. I think that might be what it's really about. Um, and I think that's better because it helps us get to the heart of what this commandment really means. Now, when I was a kid growing up, I was taught this verse meant don't cuss. And don't take God's name in vain. And if you can refrain from doing that, then you followed this commandment. And yet, I think this commandment uh, means much more than that. So, so what does it mean to not misuse the name of the Lord our God or to not take the name of the Lord our God in vain? Or what does it mean to understand the power of a name? Well, there's three things that I want to mention this morning that I think it means at least these three. And then the first one is, um, I think it means to use encouraging language. Uh, so a part of this verse really is about reverence for God's name. It means uh, don't invoke God's name casually or meaninglessly. Uh, and uh, particularly, it, it, it's talking about not using God's name when you're not telling the truth. Uh, when people, you know, tell a lie and then say, I, I, I swear to God, that's true. Uh, that's specifically what it's about. Just don't, don't do that. Uh, don't make a lie worse by swearing God's name that is true, because, you know, if we're, if we're not going to be truthful, then don't, you know, please don't bring God into it. So that's a part of it. But then, then the second thing is it means don't use God's name for evil purposes. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, God has a name, uh, and that name is, is Yahweh. At the burning bush, uh, when God told Moses to go to Egypt, Moses said, well, if I go to the Pharaoh and he asks me who sent me, who, who sent me here, who am I going to tell him? And, and God, that's when God gave Moses his name. He said, Yahweh, tell them Yahweh sent you. And so uh, you probably noticed, uh, I don't know if you, if you knew this or not, but when you're reading your Bible in the Old Testament, sometimes the word Lord is in all caps. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes just the L is capitalized. But when you run across that word Lord, and it's all caps, that's the translator's way of telling you that the word Yahweh was there. The name Yahweh was there. So if you, if you read this uh, verse in Hebrew, it would say, uh, you know, verse 7 would say, uh, do, not miss, do not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. Or as my translation has it, do not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God. And the, the reason I bother to explain this 
is because in ancient times, people believed that if they knew your name, that they had power with you. There's power in a name. And so if you know somebody's name, you have power with that person. And so by giving Moses the name Yahweh, God was like opening up to Moses and allowing Moses to know who he was. God God gave Moses the power to call upon God. And God has done the same for us. When we enter into a relationship with God, we know God's name. And we're able, God is open to us. We have power with God. And because we know God's name, we we have this power to call on God. Now, I, I love the way Frederick Bigner put it. He said, in the book of Exodus, God tells Moses his name is Yahweh, and God hasn't had a peaceful moment since. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a great example of this is that story of Jacob wrestling uh, with the angel at, at Jabbok. Uh, he, you, know, you know, he's in this wrestling match in the middle of the night, and uh, they're rolling around and grappling with one another, and Jacob does something that sounds pretty unusual to us. He asks him his name. What is your name? I mean, imagine that you're asleep in your bed at two in the morning. Someone breaks into your house, jumps on you in the darkness, and the two of you are fighting and you roll out onto the floor. You're probably not going to ask, by the way, what's your name? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. But it made perfect sense for Jacob because Jacob knew that if he knew his name, he would have power with him. And that's why I asked. Is because that was important, and that's how they understood things. Back in the day, if they believed that if you pronounced a blessing on someone using God's name, then you were calling on God's power to make that happen. In the same way, if you pronounced a curse on someone in God's name, then you were calling on God's, the power of God to make that happen, to make that come true. And so a part of this commandment was prohibiting people from placing a curse or saying a curse over someone else and calling on God's name to make that come true or to make that happen. Uh, Now, that sounds kind of magical or superstitious to us. We don't think like that anymore. So how does it apply to us? Let me give you some examples. Because both in society and in the church, we have people who have used the power of the name of God to do harm to other people. There are charlatans who have used the power of the name of God to make themselves rich. And in doing so, they have harmed people and they have harmed the name of God in the world. How many adults are in therapy right now because parents or preachers used the power of the name of God to convince them that they were nothing but worthless sinners who deserved hell. How many times have people used God's name to tell others they have to deny who they are to serve God? That's using God's name in vain. It's using God's name for harm. Think of the violence down through the years from crusades to bombing abortion clinics to the judging and the condemnation that have been done in God's name. Some politicians tie God's name to their political ideology or party. That is misusing the name of God. 
It does damage, not only to people, but it does damage to God's name itself. A pastor tells a woman she has to stay in an abusive relationship in God's name. Christian groups make statements condemning people in God's name. Statements that do harm and not good. And all of those are examples of how we can use the power of God's name for evil and for harm. And that's exactly what this verse is talking about. It's a violation of this commandment. It is a sin when we use God's name to bring harm to other people. We break the third commandment when we do that. And then the third application is a little more personal. Clarence Jordan says that the only people who can take God's name in vain are people who've taken God's name. So as, as Christians, we have taken God's name. When we call ourselves Christian, we have taken the name Christ and we've applied it to us. We've taken God's name. We are God's people. And so if we're known by God's name, Christian, then to wear that name, Christian, means that we have to live and act like Christ. We have to treat others like Christ. So if we take upon ourselves the name Christian, but make no effort to live up to what that name means, then we have taken the name in vain. We have made the name meaningless. We say we're something that we're not. Now, if you have a family name, you often resemble your family. Now, I don't know if you've had this happen to you or not. It's happened to me several times in my life. Um, as a young person, I was blessed with a spirit of adventure, but unfortunately not the ability to go with it. And because of that, I found myself in the hospital or the emergency room on many occasions. And uh, one of my adventures uh, ended with uh, my left leg, uh, both bones in the bottom lower part of my left leg was broken and both of them were compound fractures. And so they sent me, you know, they took me to the hospital, and as soon as we got to the hospital in, in my town, they looked at me, put me in an ambulance, and sent me to Birmingham, because that was the closest trauma hospital. And um, Birmingham was 40 to 45 minutes away from where I grew up. But we never went to Birmingham, ever. It, it may as well have been on another planet, because we just never went there. And so they had me on a, one of those uh, gurneys, and they were rolling me down to surgery. And there was a nurse walking beside, taking notes and asking me questions. And when she finished the medical questions, she said, do you have a brother named Charles? And I said, yes, I do. She said, do you have another brother named Sam? I said, yes, I sure do. And uh, then I kind of went off into uh, la-la land for the surgery. But then about a day or so later, uh, you know, back then they used to actually keep you in the hospital after surgery. <laughs> and so I was in my room and she came by and uh, she sat down and started talking to me. Turns out she was a cousin by marriage. I don't think I'd ever seen her before in my life, but she knew who I was. 
She could look at me and see the family resemblance. And so she knew that I was a part of the family. She could tell. Another time, we lived in Atlanta, and I went to a funeral home for visitation for a family member back in Alabama. And I was in a town that I had not been in in over 20 years. And uh, I walked in. It was one of those large funeral homes where they had several visitations going on at the same time in different places. And I walked in, and one of the directors saw me. And he said, the visitation for Lorene is down the hall, and it's on the left. And I said, how did you know I was looking for Lorene? How did you know I was in her family? And he said, well, you're Pratt, aren't you? He said, you're Themer's boy, aren't you? (laughs) Now, my father's name was Ennis Themer Pratt. We're from Alabama. What can I say? (laughs) Uh, It's actually a good Irish name. But that's what he said. He said, you're Themer's boy, aren't you? And I said, yes. Yes, I am. And he said, I can tell. I see the family resemblance. And, you know, I thought about those stories, and I thought about this third commandment. And I think that that's a large part of what it means when we take God's name and we call ourselves Christian, then we ought to resemble the rest of the family. We ought to have a family resemblance to God if we take God's name. I really think that there should be times when people walk up to us and say, You're God's boy, aren't you? The other day when that guy at work came up to you and was so rude and unkind, and you treated him with kindness and grace and patience, that's what your Father in Heaven would have done. I could see it. I could see the family resemblance in the way you acted. It reminded me of something God would do. Hey, You're God's girl, aren't you? Just the way you treat people with compassion and love. The grace that you show in your life. Your last name is Christian, isn't it? I've I've seen people in your family before. And that's, that's how they act. I see the family resemblance. And you know, it actually happened once in the New Testament. This, uh, they falsely accused a man named Jesus. They beat him. They nailed him to a cross. And while they were driving spikes through his arms into the wood, he prayed for their forgiveness. And when they hung him up to die, there was a Roman soldier who had been watching the whole thing. And he said, Surely you... This is the Son of God. Now, if he'd been from Alabama, he would have said, you're God's boy, aren't you? I can see it. Because nobody has ever loved us like that except God. So if we go by the name Christian, then we've taken God's name. 
And if we go by God's name, but we don't live and love like Jesus as best we can, then we've taken God's name in vain. That's what it means to break the third commandment. But if we live and love and treat others like Jesus as best we can, sooner or later, somebody will notice the family resemblance. They'll start to see the image of God in us. And that's what it means to understand the power of a name. And, and who knows? One day, somebody might just walk up to you and say, you're God's child, aren't you? You see, the way you treat people, the, the kind of spirit you have in your life, I recognize that. You're part of God's family. I see the resemblance. Let it happen. Dear God, let it happen. Amen.